Jesus, there among humanity, just a babe, just minutes old, they're trembling in the hay, staring at his mother in the face, she's just a girl, just a girl, does she even know that she just changed the world?
Good morning, everyone, and welcome to First Christian Church. We're so glad you're here. If you're interested in joining Amy Hetrick's online Bible study, Chasing Lions, the sign-up sheet and booklets are outside of the worship center. Amy will be staying after church today to help anyone download the apps needed for the study. The congregational meeting will be on December 13th, so if you're unable to attend service in person, be sure to contact the church office to make arrangements. We would love to invite you and your families to our Christmas Eve service at 7 p.m. on December 24th. That's all the announcements for today. Enjoy the service. Father, you are all we need. 
Jesus, that he has come. Jesus, that you have come. You, you didn't leave us here in our problem, in our mess, in our sins, in our, in our first state. You came and you accomplished the second state for us. And so may it be that we are carried further today, who, uh, we, who have been brought into that second state of being born again. May it be that we, uh, those of us here who have not been May you soften hearts. May you show yourself and grant us as we've just sang and praised you by the, the gift of faith that we might believe in you and love you back because you loved us first and gave your son. And it's for your wonderful name that we hope for this, that you would answer this prayer this morning and that you would do a wonderful work within your church. And it's for your wonderful and perfect name we pray. Amen. Well, if you'd like, go ahead and be seated. Nice to be with you all today. Um, uh, we have a slight adjustment to the announcement. Um, if you're getting involved with Amy Hetrick's uh, Chasing the Lion study, she's actually not able to be here today now. Um, so if you have any questions on downloading the app, um, reach out to her. Uh, if you still don't have her contact information, cut a hold of the church office and we'll get it to you. Um, and then she said to go ahead and do the end of lesson three this week, and they're going to meet on Zoom Thursday at 7. Um, for those of you involved, you know what that means. Um, but the machines are going to come up. We're going to Advent. Um, kids, uh, you're dismissed. If you'd like to go down to youth, uh, Matt's in the back. Um, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, 
Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have favor, found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him to the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let me be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Thank you guys for reading that for us and for helping us to begin our worship gathering through the Word. And hopefully as we've uh, considered that text that uh, Pat and Ed just read for us, uh, we can uh, jump into uh, this week's message title. Uh, that is Simply Joy. And we are doing a series called Simply Christmas. And some of you, I think, received the uh, Advent uh, devotional booklet out back. If you didn't pick one up, it's not too late, really, to just jump in and, uh, and, and follow along with the readings. We also have online, uh, Brittany's posting on Facebook, our Facebook page, uh, the readings for each day. So if you want to just catch it that way. Either way, it's just a good, it's, it's just a good discipline, perhaps, or, or a good um, routine, I guess, of uh, getting uh, engaged with everything that has to do with the, the buildup of Advent in that sense of expectation and waiting and anticipation for the coming of our Savior. And that is something that is actually a drama that was embedded heavily in the minds of the people that were the followers of God uh, from the time of Abraham uh, to the, the announcement that was made to Mary uh, that she would be with child. And so with that sort of setup, I want to go ahead and uh, invite you guys to pray with me and everybody online. Uh, please just uh, uh, let's take this moment and let's invite God into uh, this uh, time in the Word. Would you bow with me? Our Father, as we think about all of the things that go into the story that you've just baked into it over time and place and the lives of people that are just imperfect people like us, we thank you, Father, that you have been faithful and that you have seen uh, our need and you have heard our cry in our hours of distress. There are seasons, Lord, where we wander in a state of despair where you are, and then there are season, seasons when you surprise us 
And as you do that, Father, it just rekindles in us a sense of just how faithful you are. So help us in this time as we attend to your word to be able to recapture that sense of joy that uh, was in that moment as uh, very palpably uh, the angel and Mary in conversation uh, began to uh, emerge out of that a sense that we would have a Savior and his name would be Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for being with us in this gathering. We pray that you would speak to our hearts as we just ponder uh, these things that had to do with your birth. And so we surrender our hearts and our minds to you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we just consider for a minute uh, the idea of joy, it, it oftentimes is a struggle during the Christmas season to discover joy, I know, because we are so preoccupied with so many things and so many activities. But interestingly enough, this is one of those years where we don't have that preoccupation. But at the same time, we also know that um, uh, in the stresses of Christmas, there are things that aren't taking on life and uh, events that aren't happening. Uh, but that being the case, we've had to ask the question, Lord, how do we recalibrate during this season as we think about the celebration of the birth of your son? And I wonder sometimes where it is that we find our joy if it's not in those uh, normally uh, embedded routines in the month of December. And I, I would like to just help you, uh, if you haven't been able to find that joy, to find it first in the Word and then in other areas of your life. Now, the thing about what is being shared in this story that Ed and Pat read was how this joy that Mary had in discovering that she was the chosen one uh, was so surprising. Have you ever been surprised by joy? Something happens in your life and you just completely did not expect it. And when it happened, you're like, man, I did not see that coming. Well, I tried to actually create that for my wife yesterday, and I'm, 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 I'm hit and miss on that note, but um, I know she's had a very stressful week at school, and uh, she um, uh, went, to, uh, went to her workout yesterday morning, and, and when she was gone, I, when I got up, I said, you know what, if I can, I want to try to surprise her so that when she walks in the door, she will have joy. And the reason why... I think she would have such joy is because she lives with two guys, and two guys that do not have the same attitude towards the domestic situation that she does, okay, if you catch my drift. Um, so I, when, I, when I got up, I realized, oh yeah, she's going to come back, and then she's going to be saying, yeah, I got to clean the house now. So I did something unusual. I decided I would get up and I would clean it all for her. So I, I actually, my job is to sweep and she has to prod me all the time to do that. And, I, and so I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to sweep, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mop, I'm going to vacuum, I'm going to clean the bathroom, I'm going to clean the sink and the mirror and the bathtub and mm, the toilet. Mm, man, I don't know. That's a stretch. So, and then there were a number of things after I got done doing that that were uh, little things that she would sort of hint at, like, you know, that, that piece of carpet's got some uh, fraying on it, you know, or that umbrella needs to be put in the garage for the winter, and just a few little 
subtle hints along the way that I, I know she thought he didn't hear me. And so I just cataloged all of those. And as I was going through this process of preparing for her arrival back home, I thought, you know, each of those things I'm going to surprise her with and let her know that I can't actually do these things. And so uh, all of those things that were on the list, I went through and I cataloged them very carefully. And I'm just praying that she's not going to walk in the door. And there was um, a, a, a sort of a pre-Christmas gift that I wanted to give her uh, from a Charlie Brown Christmas thing, and I had that. And I thought, you know, I need to get some flowers for her. So I rushed off to Giant Eagle, and I, and I grabbed a bouquet of, of, of flowers that would be appropriately Christmas. And I'm walking to the checkout, and who do I see but um, Lori Anderson. And you know the first thing out of Lori Anderson's mouth was, okay, Leonard, what did you buy? And she wasn't talking about flowers. She knows me well enough to know that sometimes I irritate my wife because I buy things. Like, I don't know, like a tractor or things for the tractor or stuff like that. And Lori's just sort of skeptical, like, I know you have to be doing this for a reason that has to do with yourself. And the sad thing is, sometimes I'm guilty of that for sure. But of all things I didn't want to be accused of today, what, or that day, was of doing this with a motive other than to bring joy. So I get home, and I get the flowers out, and I'm getting them, and I put them in the in, the, um, in, 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 in a carefully chosen vase that uh, was appropriately Christmas-colored. And as soon as I got done putting the flowers in there and setting it on the table and then putting her gift around it, she walked in. And I sat down real quickly like, yeah, this is, I, you know, I, I did this little thing for you a while back. And she starts looking around. She's like, the floors are, you mopped. And then she said, uh, you took the umbrella and you put it away. And then she looked at the carpet and she said, it's, it's not frayed anymore. And she's got all of these surprises, just one heaped upon another upon another. And I'm just like, oh, man, this is going to be a good day. And she was just so, so happy to be able to come home after a very stressful week and know that she didn't have to spend the rest of the morning cleaning the house. And it was so good just to see her joy on her face. And when our son Christian called, uh, she said, Christian, it's been a good day. And isn't that awesome whenever you have that day where things just sort of move in your direction and husbands actually do the things that are so unpredictable for husbands or certainly uncharacteristic. Well, if you can just bundle that whole sense of preparation and anticipation for that day and the joy that comes out of it, you kind of get a sense of the pattern that's at work here in this passage of Scripture that, that was read earlier. And we can take another look at it, uh, uh, possibly as uh, we consider for a minute what is going on. So let's go ahead and put Luke chapter 1 verses 28 through 38 up there on the screen. And as uh, we consider what's happening, it says this, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named 
Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to be to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary and he came to her and said greetings O favored one the Lord is with you and we're going to stop right there for just a second because I want you to consider for a minute um, the, the historical background of what's happening here uh, there is a, a lot of anticipation that's been going on in the lives of God's people. Uh, for about uh, four or five hundred years, the prophets had talked about a moment when a king would come and he would, well, he would take all of the wrongs that were occurring to God's people and he would begin to right them. And this anticipation and this hope that the prophets talked about repeatedly as we read through the, old, the, the, the ending parts of the story of the Old Testament, we find that it's a pretty dark moment. I mean, it's much worse than dirty floors and frayed carpet and stuff not getting put away. It is more like God had set his own people up for success and they did everything possible to sabotage those promises and that way of life that God gave them, so much so that God finally just gave them over first to the Babylonians and then to the Assyrians and then to um, uh, the Greeks and the, the Romans and this sense of getting pummeled one nation after another after another coming into their homeland and then putting their boot on their necks and saying, you're going to do what you uh, are told to do. And that oppressive heaviness that they felt day in and day out, year in and year out, decade in and decade out, a hundred years in and a hundred years out, for 500 years, these people waited hoping that somehow things would change and they could have a smile on their face that was deeply rooted in God's deliverance, in God's announcement that the Messiah has finally come. Now, what's so strange about the way he surprises the people of God is how he does it. And as we read these scriptures, we may look at towns like Galilee and Nazareth, or areas like Galilee and Nazareth, the town which is just a little bitty burg, and you may consider some of the things you've read in the Bible about can any good come from Nazareth. And if you were here a few months ago, we talked about Nazareth sort of in detail and how much it was just a, just a little um, uh, backwater town that went over the hill and the people worked in a, in a town down the road that had uh, an up-and-coming resort and buildings and all of that stuff. But for the most part, this was just a little town that people commuted back and forth to. The other day, my wife and I went over to our daughter Mayams, and we um, took the back roads down Route 11 and then 30 over to her place, and I noticed that there were, uh, it was just a winding, twisting road going to her house, and as we were driving right around 5 o'clock in the evening, there were cars just streaming on this two-lane road, one after another, after another, after another. And I told Mandy, I said, they really need kind of a four-lane highway here because of all of the traffic. But essentially what it was were all the little 
towns and burgs that were uh, scattered, you know, within a, a half, half an hour to an hour away from Pittsburgh. People were going into town to work, and they were coming back to these little small communities that seemed to just be hanging on by a thread. And if it weren't for the occupation that they could have in a town that is, is a little healthier, that burg wouldn't even be in existence. That, in a sense, is Nazareth. It's just a place where family said, my parents were here, my grandparents were here, our kind of extended family's here, and we want to keep it going. And that's about it. So it's really odd, because I don't want to pick on any towns here, but I'll just say, if I were in Illinois, there's a town called Arcola or Camargo, and it's exactly that kind of town. And if you're watching online and you're from that area and you know those towns, I apologize, but you probably don't, so I'm just going to say these are just nowheresville. And yet God says, that is exactly where I'm going to show up because that will be a big surprise that I'm not showing up in Jerusalem in some rich elite suburb of Jerusalem at the time and making myself known amongst people of class and status. No, he said, I am going to show up and I'm going to show up in a way that will have so much meaning in it, but will not make any sense when they first hear about it. And there's a lot of things that don't make sense here as God is showing up. Not only the location of the humble town that um, is of no account, does God say, I'm going to show that space my favor but also a person who just works with somebody who is either a carpenter or a stonecutter, we're not sure, uh, but obviously he has employment. If he didn't have it then, he, he certainly got it quickly afterwards in the town over the hill. And as God shows up to this working class family, he makes an announcement. And he tells this young lady who hasn't even been able to um, uh, sleep with her husband because they're not even married yet, and that was so taboo in that culture. But she was anticipating creating a family with him. God shows up and says, greetings. The Lord is with you. And as she's just sort of in shock at the appearance of the manifestation of the presence of God through this angel and the message that messenger that that the, that the angel is to her, she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, "Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God." And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, 
which is in the Old Testament, it's the same name as Joshua. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Now can you imagine, this is probably a 13, 14, 15-year-old girl. And in that culture, that's sort of when the family process began. That's when the betrothal process occurred. And as she's absorbing this, he's just basically pouring out all of these possibilities that are going to happen and become a reality. That she is going to have a son and his name is going to be Yeshua. And this young lady had spent enough time in the synagogue, enough time in church hearing the story of the Bible read that she had pondered it enough to know that as, a me, as soon as the angel said Yeshua, she thought of Joshua, the great deliverer. And then he goes on, or the angel goes on to explain just how significant this child is. And in, in, in Psalm 91, it talks about the one who would be the king of kings, and the Lord of Lords. And it's the most frequently uh, quoted uh, verse from, in the New Testament from the Old Testament. And now this is the one who is being made manifest in her very womb. And then he goes on, the angel goes on to describe the father David. Now David is somebody that when you read the Old Testament, you find that he was seated on a throne as the legitimate king in a lot of ways that was different than the first king, Saul. David was pretty much in line with his intentions, with everything that had to do with the purposes of God. Doesn't mean he didn't make mistakes, but it certainly means that it was... It was a heart that, even though he had shortcomings, was completely aligned with the things of God. And so God gave David a promise in 2 Samuel 7, 11, and 12. And essentially what he said was, there will come a day when on this throne that you are seated on will be the one who will be uh, crowned as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and on his throne it will be eternal and forever. Now, Mary is one of those people that, unlike us, she didn't have a lot of technological distractions. She didn't have a lot of, um, uh, you know, Pulp Fiction books to read or, or things that we normally find ourselves just sort of, you know, biding our time with. She didn't have a whole lot except for the Word of God. And so she pondered it. And as she's thinking about the word of God, she's not thinking at all that one day this could happen to me, but rather as she's thought about the story and how it means so much to her people, she's well aware of what's happening here and the significance of what that means begins to sink in and she starts to get overwhelmed. Now, I think all of us, probably have a significance meter. You know, when, whenever you 
do something and you don't really understand the significance of it until later on you're like, wow, I only gave it that much weight of significance. But as time has sort of bore itself out, clearly this is a pretty big deal. And I thought about one of my, one of my children, and it's not that one sitting right there. One of my children was driving their car over a certain hill on Lisbon Road, and they got pulled over. And the police officer said, I'm going to let you go, but don't do it again. Same person, same road, same hill, pulled over again. Same police officer who said, you need to slow down. And this time is going to cost you because your significance-ometer isn't getting it. You're here, and the significance meter says this is significant. But sometimes we don't always get it. Different day, fast forward just a little bit, same road, same hill, same police officer. Guess what? Same significance. Two times. Bank account starting to drain a little bit from this. And so I asked him, did you kind of get the significance of what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, Dad, I think I did. Well, I kind of laugh about it because I've had my own struggles with calibrating my significance-ometer. And there are a lot of things that I, don't pay, I haven't paid attention to that as time bears out, it's like, oh, yeah, that was more significant than I thought. And even when it comes to our relationships and the people around us, sometimes we don't see the significance of what those things mean, do we? Perhaps even when it comes to the Word of God. Because of all the things that we can invest our time and our energy into, the Word of God is one of those things that we can consider optional. It certainly doesn't have a lot of color physically. It doesn't jump out at us. It's not real dynamic in terms of what it offers on the screen, so to speak. But what you discover is as you tune into it and it fires your imagination, it begins to present this picture that is hugely dramatic. And some of us could honestly say that there was a moment when the light bulb kind of went on and it became obvious that's important. That matters. But you know, most of the time, this doesn't matter until we have those seasons of darkness or disorder or things or floors not swept or things not put away or moments where the police officer says, you better slow down. It's like all of these warning bells or all these things that are shouting out to us. This isn't working. Or maybe they're saying to us, this is broken, or you need a change. 
And God's people were in that space where they were saying, it's all pretty broken right now. We know the story. We remember the glory days, especially of King David and Solomon, and how people were flocking to our, our, our nation's capital to see and behold the things that Solomon had done. And now we're just kind of a has-been, a really, really, really has-been. But there was something that was just an ember still glowing in the hearts of the people that trusted that God was going to make good on his promises. And last week we talked about how hope is that thing that enables us to move forward without despair. And Mary said, if it doesn't happen in my generation, based on everything I'm pondering here, I know the day will come when God will do what he promises to do. But now she's absorbing the fact that what I've been told and what I've read and what I've trusted and the promises that I've embedded in my heart, it is all happening right now, right now in this conversation, and it is happening inside my womb. I got to think that, that if you ever wanted to look at the dictionary definition of overwhelmed, it should have an entry that says, yeah, and also that time when Mary was given the announcement by the angel that she is going to be the mother of the very Son of God. That's significant. And as it, the angel is just unfolding this, he's reiterating what she already knew from the promises, that the throne that this son would sit on was the th very throne of David, and that his reign would be forever, just like promised in 2 Samuel 7, and his kingdom will have no end. I can't even imagine what was going through her mind. That had to have just completely and utterly blown her away. Well, let's just explore the text a little bit farther as we move into it some more. And as, as we do, we find that Mary said to the angel, well, there is a technicality here that I can't quite wrap my mind around, and that is I'm still a virgin. And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God, and behold, your, relevi your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her that was called barren. We'll stop right there for a second and just expand on what is going on in her mind. The Holy Spirit will enable you to conceive. Now, I'm sure Mary's digging back in her storyline of the Scripture and asking the question, now, all the things I've heard up till now have a place in Scripture as I've read it from the past, but there's nothing that I'm aware of that talks about a woman being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and conceiving through that means. And I know she went back. I know she thought about it. 
And I'll tell you why I know is because there was another lady who was pretty important in the storyline of the Bible whose name was Hannah. And in 1 Samuel 2, Hannah has, well, she has another issue happening in her world, and that is she's unable to conceive. But yet she is totally and utterly devoted to God. And God hears her prayer, the angel shows up, and Hannah has this beautiful song that she expressed as as a result of the joy that she had of knowing that she would have a child. And it's so interesting to see how that happens sometimes because I know there are people that have struggled with having a child and it's one of the most heartbreaking things to pastorally know that struggle that people have had to go through. And some people even going so far as to adopt a child and it was interesting talking to a, a Brittany this week about her best friend who had a, had a child uh, just this week. And we were, we were just kind of talking about it and praying about it. And I said, tell me about your friend. And she said, well, her parents couldn't have children. And so they adopted this gal from Ecuador. And then right after everything came through, they were able to have a kid. And as a result of that, there was some question about whether or not they couldn't adopt the child because it was still kind of in the process. And they're like, what do we do? What do we do? But as it turned out, they have two kids, a little bit offset in their birthdays, but pretty much, she said, they become kind of twins. And I thought that's such a fascinating story of how things happen. And they don't always happen according to our timetable or our expectations, But they definitely are surprising, and hopefully the surprise brings joy. Mary is looking for an analog to this, and Hannah is probably the only person I'm sure that she thought about whenever she considered her circumstances. But the angel said, no, that probably applies to Elizabeth more than it does you. And Elizabeth is another part of the story that we'll, we'll read at some point. But for now, I want to just finish out our text, okay? And in it, we read something that I think all of us have to consider when it comes to the seasons of despair, the hopelessness of circumstances, and the promises of God. Because I know a lot of you are here because the promises of God are in your hearts. And a lot of you are looking at the world that we live in and are wondering, God, where are you? And others are asking the question, God, you've given us promises about your return. Is it going to happen? And it was interesting, I was talking to my friend Bob Martin this week, and he said, you know, my, my dad and I, we were having a conversation about current events, and my dad's 93, and he looked at me and he said, I'm going to live to be 100, I'm sure. And, and, and Bob said, well, you know, Dad, if things continue the way they are, and evil continues to escalate the way it is, and, you know, we have unprecedented concentrations of power in just the hands of a few people globally, it's just a moment where we've never really lived in anything like this, that a lot of people are saying, Lord, are you going to come back? 
And he told his dad, he said, you know, if the Lord comes back before you go, then you're going to be just like Enoch, you know, who walked with God, and then you went on to be with him. Bypass Starks or wherever it is that you have to go to, to, as a point of entry, and you just go straight to the Lord. That'd be pretty special, wouldn't it? Well, we don't know. We honestly don't know. All we know is that there are seasons where it gets pretty dark. And Mary was living in one of them. And the interesting thing is, so are we. But what I want you to take consolation in is that despite how we do the math on current events, this verse, verse 37 For nothing is impossible with God. I want you to say that with me through your muffled masks. Because that is not going to contain the substance of that promise. Say it with me. For nothing will be impossible with God. And I hope you leave here with that sense Because not only does it just reinforce the hope we talked about last week, but I think it also sets us up for the expectation that God does surprise us by joy, just like he surprised her. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The thing about Mary in this case was she was so in tune with the purposes of God that when God said, I'm I'm going to task you to be responsible for this overwhelming task, she simply said, in a spirit of humility and surrender, may your will be done in my life. And I wonder if you're in that place where you can honestly say that when God asks you, are you willing? Are you willing to share my son with other people? Are you willing to take him into the the place in your heart that has been longing to be fulfilled and filled with the right thing? Because I think so many of us, when we don't have him in that space, Fill that space with a lot of other things. It could be our career. It could be just our possessions. It could be that one thing that is so important to me. It could even be our spouse or our children. But in every one of those situations where we say, I'm going to center my life around that, inevitably, That is not sufficient for every need that life requires. But there is one who is. There is one who is more than sufficient, who not only is king and savior in the line of Yeshua, Joshua in the Old Testament, who is in every sense 
willing to identify with the circumstances that you and I live in. Because I don't know about you, I, I'm, I'm not New York, I'm not Los Angeles, I'm not living in the rich suburbs of, of whatever place. I don't drive that great of a car. I, well, I, I like my Dodge Challenger, but that's a sidebar, and we're not talking about idolatry right now. I, I, all those things that our culture says, if you have these things going on in your life, you have arrived. God says, I don't care about any of that. What I care about is you, you, wherever you came from, wherever you live, whatever you've done, whatever you've gone through, whatever humiliation you had to endure in life, whatever shortcomings you have from whatever it is that is the hand that you've been dealt, God says, I am talking especially to you. My son came specifically into the world in a place like that for you to show you there is no bar here that says you don't belong. I don't know if your significance-ometer captures that. But there's a reason why Nazareth was chosen. There's a reason why Mary was chosen. There's a reason why even in this hour when they are experiencing tremendous oppression from the Romans and life is hard, that God showed up. Because nothing is impossible with our God. And not only that, no one is unworthy of his son. Now, let me just unpack that a little bit. Because God looks at each of us, and no matter how broken or messed up or even shattered our lives are, he still loves us deeply and profoundly. And he's made us in his image in such a way that he wants to bring his love into your life and mine. There isn't a soul on the planet that he would say, nah, you're not good enough. But rather he looks at us and he asked the question, in light of everything that you've gone through, gone through in, in light of every circumstance that you've faced, and in light of the hopelessness that you may be carrying with you through life, in light of all of the things that you've done that you look back in the rearview mirror and you say, I'm so ashamed. God says, I haven't. I have an answer for that because nothing is impossible with me. And the reason why nothing is impossible with me is because Jesus satisfies everything I need. But the hard part for you and I is having the willingness and the humility to say, I've definitely strayed away. 
I've definitely sinned. I've definitely gone off track. I've definitely not trusted. I've definitely done all these things. And I want to turn away from that towards you and become the person that your son died for me to become. And that is adopted into a family forever. It was interesting. The other thing that my friend Bob said, whose wife recently passed away, was, you know, I was just thinking the other day, my wife is now able to have a conversation with the 12 apostles, with characters that we've read about from the Old Testament, with anybody that we see mentioned in Scripture that we're like, yeah, you know what, one day I'd like to have a conversation with them. He said, Leonard, did you know she is now able to do that? And I said, yeah, that's a pretty overwhelming thought, isn't it? And then I, I responded by saying, and the reason why is because we've all been adopted into the same family. It's a family reunion. But there is, there is only way, one way that we can participate in that family reunion, and it is through the son of Mary. He had to come so we could be saved. And my hope is, and my joy is, that if God is speaking to you right now, and you are not saved, and you are not adopted into that family, that you would call upon the name of, of Jesus, that you would turn away from those things that you have ordered your life around and put him front and center and begin to know that same joy that Mary found. And we offer that every, every, every week. And informally, in many conversations, because he is that significant to us. Would you bow with me? Our Father, as we just ponder like Mary did everything that is in this conversation and the significance of it just continues to expand out into time and space and place and history into, into, into each of our lives here today, Father, thank you, Lord, that you have given us your Son who satisfies in every way possible and imaginable and ways unimaginable and impossible. And Father, I just pray for those here who need your deliverance, that you would provide that through Yeshua, the Savior. I pray for those who need a king that will not disappoint, that will lead in a kingdom that will be eternal and last forever. I pray for those who have put their confidence, whether it is in politics or whether it is in money or whether it is in the American way of life or whatever it is, Father, I pray that you just help us to turn away from those things that we have put front and center and put you there first. Lord, we are so thankful that we have your son, Jesus. And I pray for anyone here who does not have him in their lives and their hearts in their homes, that you would just help us to settle it right now at the foot of the cross. Lord, I just pray for anyone here who needs to surrender that they would just simply say, 
Lord, I surrender my life to you. And Lord Jesus, I give my life to you, trusting that you will adopt me into your family and I will be yours forever in your kingdom. Father, just help us to lead one another to that place as I close this message out. And bless us, Lord, with your joy and surprise us with, with that, Father, because we need that along the way. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Right now, we're going to just pivot a little bit to that place where if you came in and you found the uh, communion cups on the back table, every week we take the significance of the life of Jesus as it ended in the death of Jesus here on earth as a means for us to find forgiveness and reconciliation with God and hope and joy and certainly peace through what he offered us. We take the loaf and the cup and we say, yes, Lord, thank you for making me your child through this covenant of blood that your son has offered on my behalf. And as we take it, Let's not only thank him, but if there's anything in your life that you need to settle, anything that you put before the Lord, just say, Lord, help me to put that in its right place, whether it's good or bad. Leave it at the cross or go home and say, this finds meaning only as Jesus is part of it. Let's take this together. It's great being with y'all today. Good to see some faces I haven't seen in a while. Um, if you want, stand up and what's up? Oh yeah, got an extra mic as always. If you want to sing, but uh, temporary. I'm gonna find a temporary. It's nice being with y'all today. We're gonna close with this. Remember, uh, if you're in the Chasing Lions study, not staying today. Um, contact Amy or the church office.
Take whatever we have that's in front of you, move it and put you in its place, God. Put you first in everything, move closer to you every day. We love you, we praise you, and uh, just help us to be a light for you this week. Amen. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> All right, nice to see you all. Hope you have a nice day. <laughs> 